the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic with comprehensive coverage and insightful analysis built all around SpotTrack.com. Did you know when you're on SpotTrack checking out your favorite team or player, all of the relevant recent athletic articles for that team are sitting either in the sidebar or on your mobile device. You can click through and with a subscription, read the latest from the great beat reporters at The Athletic. And if you visit theathletic.com slash track today, get yourself 40% off your first year subscription and you can be clicking back and forth between the two sites every single day. My name is Mike Gennetti. Happy Wednesday. We're going to bring in Scott Allen, answer some Twitter questions to start the show. Haven't done this in a while. I threw out a uh, request this morning, got some great responses. So I'm going to bounce around a little bit and answer a few of those with Scott. We'll talk a little bit about one specifically that Scott's been really dying to discuss for a while now in terms of the compensation, the importance of how some incentives specifically matter and how those incentives are met. So I'll leave that uh, up for Scott to discuss in a few minutes here. Back end of the show, the sports tax man, Robert Riola, our good friend. Welcome back to the show. He is going to break down the tax ramifications for Fernando Tatis Jr., Mookie Betts, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson were he to leave the Houston Texans or stay with Houston and how that contract and the taxes for it would alter accordingly. So nice little show here. Thanks for joining us. We're going to bring in Scott now, answer some of those Twitter questions, and have a little fun. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Online Betting Guide. If you're an NBA fanatic, all the trends, all the stats, all the analytics, all the injuries, if you follow it all, this is a no-brainer for you. It's a free pick'em contest. You go there, pick your teams, win some cash, win some prizes. It's a, it's a betting community where expert handicappers are doing their work, helping you do your work, you're learning, you're winning cash prizes. It's all free for you. It's at olbg.com. Check it out today and fix your need. Let's talk to Scott. Scott, before we get into some of these questions, the biggest NBA all-star snub in three words or less. <laughs> De- Devin Booker. That'll do. Thank you. All right. Good, good reporting on that. Let's move on to the first question. In your neck of the woods, we talked about it before with the quarterback carousel. There's a report that Alex Smith did an interview and basically said that the Washington football team was not really interested in his services as he fought like hell to get back from his injuries. I, do you get it? Uh, you know, if, if you take this out, out of the wrong context, it can be construed as a bad, a bad situation, right? Washington was kind of throwing this guy who was working so hard to the curb. That's not what this is. This is a football team doing the right business and saying, well, we definitely can't rely on that guy anymore, right? Especially for the short-term, long-term. If he gets back, you know, we'll make the best of it. But, you know, you know, there's, there's two, three things here. There's, did he want to come back? Could he come back? If he came back, could he actually be NFL ready? There's so, there were so many things hanging out there. Um, but he had a guaranteed contract. And Dwayne Haskins wasn't good. And there was a lot going on behind the scenes as well. So I, I don't know. Grain of salt, where are you with this? I'm sure the radio around there is all over this. Oh, they were all over it yesterday, a little bit today. But yesterday, big, big time. I mean, that was the majority of the conversation uh, throughout the afternoon. So, uh, you know, I, I think it's a player and a team sort of, you know, at a heads with each other. Okay. You know, so let, sort, let me, let me, let me rephrase the question then, because that's exactly where I want her to go. Scott, it's relevant to kind of our neck of the woods. He's not saying this. If he thinks he's coming back to the Washington no. football team, no. and, and <laughs> not at all. If he didn't think he was coming back, then he wouldn't be saying any of this. I, yeah. That's but, career suicide. You know, he, and like you said, he had a guaranteed contract. So it, would he have even been on no. the team last year if no. the contract would have allowed them to be out of it? Probably not. No. And now that the contract is what it is, and you know, it it, it makes you wonder how bad that 
injury in the last three weeks really was did what did the Washington football team just decide they weren't going to play him yeah. uh, or was the injury that bad that he couldn't play but you're right it, from a football business standpoint it, it, it's not reliable for them to count on Alex if he's going to have these reoccurring issues but Alex saying that he still wants to play and all of that so it's it, it's a it's a way of Alex getting out in front of Washington football team of saying, all right, release me so I can go somewhere else. Yeah, he wants I'm to be gonna... a Panther or something, right? <laughs> There's no question. Yeah. And he wants to be the one out front and sort of control the destiny. He's you know, taking the first shot here. All right, let's go. I'm so. going to say this right now. He's the starting quarterback for the Chicago bears week one. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Why the heck it, not? It, I, I think a lot is going to depend on the the where where he can get in the next few months. Mm-hmm. You know, can, can that calf and re uh, rehabilitated leg can it sustain uh, you know the longevity that a team will need? A team is not just going to take him on knowing that oh we're going to get four weeks out of him and then is if he's going to have another calf issue yeah. and then we're stuck so he really is going to have to show that he he can sustain uh the physical activity for long periods of time yeah I, you know you can spin around a little bit now with the quarterbacks that are available trubisky cam newton andy dalton Maybe Garoppolo, if you want to give up something or, or, or wait that out. Maybe Sam Darnold, although that seems to be dwindling. Uh, you know, maybe Deshaun, not really. Maybe Teddy Bridgewater, who knows? It, I, he's up there. Alex Smith has got to be near the top of that list. I mean, he doesn't have, he's not, you know, physically gifted anymore because of the injury or and never really was physically gifted, but this is a former number one overall pick. I mean, this is, <laughs> this, this isn't just a guy. This is a, you know, this is a guy well, if- who who is at least up there in terms of the football intelligence with that group. So if the Bears don't want to rebuild, I don't think they want to rebuild. I think they're going to slap an $18 million franchise tag on Allen Robinson, and they've got a defense that can win them football games. So they're looking for a game manager. That's Andy Dalton. That's Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's Alex Smith. So he's to me, he's definitely in that conversation. So, you know, we haven't heard retirement. He didn't say that in that interview. But there's no question, and I guess we can finish with this. There's no question that 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 was a suicide shot for him in Washington in 2021, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Crazy. I didn't see it coming. (laughs) I still don't know why he had to say it. It, it, Were they not going to release him? Is that why? And now this is like his way of saying, get me the heck out of here. I I just don't understand the the need for it. Did he get goaded goaded into that question, kind of? You know, I, I wonder if that was the case. Yeah, and, and the guys on the radio yesterday after the interview came out, I mean, he, they were in the same boat. They were they were asking a million questions and didn't really have the answers because they were, you know, running real time on radio when the I think the article <laughs> hit at like noon, one o'clock. So they were trying to get guys on that could, you know, answer the questions as best as possible. And Jeez, you know, and then you go from that to Tiger with basically the exact injuries that Alex Smith suffered, you know? Yeah, so freaky, so freaky. Look, Alex, Alex got back. Tiger can do it too. I'm, that's all I'm going to say about that. He, I, I think he uh, he has a chance. It's better news than I think a lot of us were worried about, concerned about yesterday about this time. Okay, are the Panthers clearing cap space right now for to make a run at Dak Prescott? Now, you and I got on here and we're talking about the Deshaun Watson factor in Carolina, which, fine but doesn't seem plausible because team a has to be able to move on from Deshaun Watson. So team B can get him. Does it, I guess I'll, I'll reframe that question too. Who's more likely to be elsewhere. Who's more likely to be out of the state of Texas in 2021, Dak Prescott or Deshaun Watson. Dak. I'm starting to think so too. Yeah. I'm starting to think so too. It, and, and, you know, clearing space, I get it. I mean, Carolina's almost at $40 million in space right now, but. Well, you can argue they the should way- have done this last year. You remember how confused we were? Yes. Where they were building a team, but also supposed to be the worst team in football. 
So it, to me, yeah, they, that's yeah. a new regime that botched year one. So it, it could just be that they understand that they made a mistake and they're just doing right by their franchise this year. In, in which case, by the way, trading Christian McCaffrey is the right move. If, if the move is to go down, Christian McCaffrey has to go. He needs to be a 49er or a Dolphin or one of those teams. So, or, or Houston Texan, by the way, who need a running back. So it's fascinating that they're doing it. Why they're doing it isn't yet clear. And it could be plan A is to do it to get a big quarterback. And if that fails, plan B is to rip it right the hell up. So, so th- there could be two versions of this conversation, one in March and April and another in May and, and May and June, depending on how things go over the next couple of weeks, you know? Yeah. And if, if for some reason they did make a run at Dak, you know, it's sort of, what the Dallas Cowboys did. They paid their running back, then they sure. paid wide receiver, and they still haven't done their quarterback. It's a you good know, point, Scott. They, You're right. They paid McCaffrey. They brought in some wide receivers last year, and now they're going to try to get their quarterback. It, it's almost, you know, apples to apples in, in that case. But, you know, the Carolina Panthers need to figure out who they want to be. Obviously, yeah. the, the owner has come out and said, we're all in for a quarterback. But if you don't have the pieces around it and you're, you're creating all this cap space, maybe it's plan C where they're creating all this cap space in setting themselves up for next year. Yeah. Now, I may be way off base on that, but no, you know, I, I think that is. Plan other, B. Yeah, we, we've seen other teams like the Bills. They got rid of all that junk contracts and then they were able to move forward. Maybe that's where they're at. And maybe they do run with Teddy Bridgewater one more year if some of these quarterbacks don't work out. But going back to your question, yeah, I would say I think Dak is going to be out of Texas before Deshaun. But what what the Panthers are doing, you know, they they sort of put the the cart before the horse already. How about this, Scott? How about the? I, I am literally just armchair GMing as we speak, looking at our draft tracker right now. How about this? The Carolina Panthers trade next year's first round pick and Christian McCaffrey to the Jets for a pick swap this year. So Carolina goes from eight to two. The Jets go from two to eight. The Jets keep Sam Darnold. They have a left tackle. They now have Christian McCaffrey. They have cap space to build wide receivers and tight ends around them and the defense, Carolina gets the number two quarterback in the draft. Whoever that's going to be, it's going to change every week. But, you know, the, the next best Trevor Lawrence out there, the Carolina Panthers then get their rights to that without, without Christian McCaffrey, but with cap space to go and kind of rework their, their roster as well. Because can, can we be honest? Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott are volcanic you know, overreaches. It, it would be unbelievable if we got there. And if, and if the plan, if the plan is to let Dak walk, you just franchise tag Dak and, and at least have teams put in offers on him, make a trade, put in some compensation with it. I, I mean, you're not just going to let him walk into free agency alone. So, you know, to me, either way, Carolina is giving up a ton in terms of draft capital capital to get a quarterback. So why not this path? Why not go after the Jets, who are kind of in the same boat, but kind of have a quarterback already? I think anybody would take Sam Darnold over Teddy Bridgewater right now. So is it that far? You know, maybe I'm not giving up enough. Maybe it's next year plus a third or next year plus a second or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But that's not out of reach for where we're headed right now, right? No. And like I've always said, and I keep saying teams need to take those risks and take that chance, you know? So if Carolina could do that swap and it works out, then, then great. But if McCaffrey does get moved, would the jets do it? uh, Or is McCaffrey just not that much of a piece anymore? Well, where I was going to go was if McCaffrey does get moved, are, are the Carolina Panthers throwing up the flag saying we made a mistake in signing a running back to this contract and we're already, you know, we're cycling back to 
bad running back contracts and it makes it look bad all around. Um, I think it's more of your point. Whereas they put the cart before the horse, Scott. I, and I think that's they the signed case. the running back without having the quarterback. They know they made that mistake now. And the way to fix it is to backtrack. Uh, however bad financially it's going to be. And it's bad, by the way, <laughs> it's bad. I mean, you'd be, you'd be taking on $17.6 million of $17.2 million of dead cap to trade Christian McCaffrey right now. Mm. So you're losing 5 million, uh, you know, well, but they're clearing cap space right now. So they can handle that dead cap hit in 2021. It, you would trade, you would trade 17.2 million of dead cap for a franchise quarterback. Can I put it that way? Yeah, you would. But what else matters? The- what else matters but the franchise quarterback? So I, I think I don't know. I don't know if there is a price too high right now for the number two pick or Deshaun Watson or Dak Prescott. And I think that's probably closest to what they're thinking. However, it's going to take. We got to do it. This is maybe this is Plan C. You know, my 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 little GM move here. But I think they're all in on quarterback. And if it means getting rid of the running back, it's not an accident that those rumors are out there about McCaffrey. Okay, that's Carolina throwing it out there because they know exactly what you just said. They've got a guy who can help them win some games, but they don't have the right guy yet. They don't have the quarterback to, to facilitate that running back. So it's, uh, it's interesting that his name is out there and that they're clearing cap space. And I'm terrified that none of these things we're saying are correct and that they're just going to be a team going left and right at the same time in 2021, which is what they were last year. They were doing one thing, that signified one direction and another thing that signified another direction. And that doesn't get you anywhere in the NFL. So who knows, Scott, I think all of these scenarios are in play and we're going to have to see which one ends up working out for them. You know, I'm hoping that they're just getting, they're just saying, here's four things that could work out. One of them's going to happen. You know, Dallas is going to screw it up or Houston's going to finally yeah. give in, or the jets are going to want to move out of two. Mm-hmm. Let's just make make it available for everything. We got to get a guy this year. That's all that matters. Don't care how, how we get there. I think that's probably the right thinking, by the way. That's, that's a good way to think right now. If you're, uh, if you're any franchise, that's not awful. And Carolina wasn't awful. They had, some, they had a pretty good uh, half season last year. So, all right, moving on here. Oh, let's see. What's the next best question out there? I had a couple of Mets shots thrown at me, of course, because it's baseball time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I bet the Mets to win the, Super, the, the World Series. So let's just take that off the table. Oh, here we go. You're kind of you're you're aware of the NBA Top Shot, okay? The virtual. Are you aware of this, by the way? What this is, Scott? No. no. I'm going to tell you what this is. There's a billion dollars being thrown around right now. This is a virtual, essentially trading card system, crypto trading card system, that is being basically run by the league. It's, you know, they're partnered with a bunch of other services. But instead of buying trading cards or instead of buying, you know, physical entities, you're buying moments. You're buying highlights. So, for instance, the Anthony Edwards dunk from the other night. Mm-hmm. The NBA is going to make that highlight available to Top Shot at some point. Okay. The LeBron dunk where he mimicked Kobe Bryant and he did Kobe's version of that dunk in the Staples Center. Mm-hmm. it's the highest selling top shot out there and, and they can control how many they release. So if they release 50 versions of that highlight for sale, you know, it's somewhat rare. If they release one version of a highlight, it is the only highlight available in the crypto market. It's extremely rare. It's extremely valuable. When I, when I tell you these things are being sold and bought for hundreds of thousands of dollars right now, I am not, un, I'm not underselling. The, this is a gigantic market right now where you can, and, and you can say, why can't you just go to YouTube and watch the clip? You can, but, but you are, you are purchasing a physical crypto version of it that exists in this system. And like I said, sometimes there's hundreds of them and sometimes there's one or two. So it's like the trading card mentality, but it's within the system. So the question out there, right now, but it, it's unbelievably successful. They cannot keep up with it. The second they put a pack of virtual cards out, for you to open up, mm-hmm. they sell out in eight seconds. So the question here is, when is this coming to other sports? The answer is as soon as possible, I promise. <laughs> okay, There's no way the NFL, Major League Baseball, English soccer, all of it, isn't seeing this and saying, holy God, 
hire a hundred people. Let's make this happen. It is, it is so successful. You know, the gamblers, the DFS people, all those, all those audiences are kind of coming together. And by the way, the people are pooling their money together. So you've got people saying, I'll toss in 10 grand, you toss in 10 grand. We're going to buy, you know, something from LeBron a couple of years ago that, that, that we love or some, or Zion's first dunk or those kind of things are all out there. Uh, you know, a nasty, uh, my question to, to throw it back on the user is, when are they going to go back more? Like, when can I get an Allen Iverson crossover? When can I get, you know, a Jordan's final shot? Like, that, to me, the, the, this is an endless opportunity to have content available, but they're going to be smart with it. They're going to they're going to slow play it because they want this to be rare. They don't want there to be thousands of these. Like we had the mistake we made in the '80s and '90s with the baseball cards, where you know you got yourself a Griffey Jr. rookie card. Well, guess what? There's forty thousand of them everywhere. Okay. <laughs> Some still in bike spokes uh, on BMX bikes. So, uh, it's ex- exclusivity. Yeah. It's high price. It's, it's wheeling and dealing. There's a gambling aspect to it. There's like a roulette aspect to it. It's exclusive. It's awesome. It's weird at the same time because, you know, none of us really get this crypto stuff too much, but the people that do are all in on this, spending hundreds of thousands on it. And already making hundreds of thousands on things they're selling. So the first thing that comes to mind is it's sort of like, you know, Harry Potter trading cards in the book itself where there's motion yeah. on the cards. Yeah. That, that's what I'm thinking of. This yeah, but as. there's no, you're not actually but, holding anything in your hand. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's all digital. So if you, if you get this, do you have rights to no. sell it to other media companies or it's just, Sort of only within this top shot uh, market. So everything lives in here. So you can, there's a, the second you log into top shot, you'll see a marketplace, things that people are currently selling right now, because there's virtual packs you can sell, you can buy. So you can buy a pack of NBA top shots and there's all different classifications of those. And you get, you know, five, six, seven highlights. One of them may be extremely rare. Well, if you get a rare one, you throw it up in the marketplace, you try to sell it for, you know, $80,000. Does it tell you when you open it, this is one of one or one of... Everything's labeled. 50? Yep. And and that's one of the beauties of it being digital. It's data-driven. There's analytics. You see everything you need to see, not to mention it's a video highlight. So yeah, it's a modern version of trading cards, but with exclusivity as the mindset, which is really what, like I said, the 90s were missing. So it's big time stuff. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that they are frantically trying to get these other sports up. Because I mean, they're trying to rebuild the NBA one already because of, of the glitches and bugs with the with the impact and, and the market that just sorts this. This well, is going to be a a, a multi billion dollar market. There's yeah, no question yeah, about it. Yeah, absolutely. Because I can already think of a hundred different things that you yeah. could piece together. I mean, you could do, you know, that you've seen the compilations of Ray Allen threes from his first to all the way to his last three point. If you put all of those consecutively into one of these, and it was the only one out there that was built, you know, there is a lot of endless possibilities that you could do with compiling different highlights. And well, what's cool is it it kind of makes you think differently, right? It's not so much about a player's career anymore. You know, when you're, when you're going to buy a trading card, you're trying to think about, you know, whose career makes having a card cool. You know, like was it, whether it's longevity or, or Hall of Fame, whatever it is, this is completely different. It's just a, like I would never want a Malcolm Butler anything, but Malcolm Butler's highlight in that Super Bowl, the interception against Seattle, it's going to be one of the top, top, the biggest top shots ever when the NFL does this thing. I mean, that's going to be it. That's like the highlight if you're a, if you're a Patriots fan, right? I mean, that's it. Yeah. Well, it, it, and it doesn't even have to be on on the court. It could be off the court. Imagine having yeah. and owning Allen Iverson saying playoffs, you yeah. know, or practice, practice. or any of that kind yeah, of practice. practice. Playoffs was uh, what Jim Mora. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> um, you know, you could get on the court, off the court. You could probably get snippets of interviews. You know, th- sure. there there is a lot of endless possibilities out there. It's interesting. I I hadn't heard about it until now. So this is interesting. It's good stuff. It's big time. It's blowing up. They can't keep up with it. They're going to have to rebuild it to, to, to manage the demand for it. And absolutely, to answer the question, it's coming to other sports. It's just, it would be unbelievable if it didn't. There's no question. But the NBA was first. And boy, haven't we said that a lot lately. <laughs> right? I mean, cheapers. Yeah, we have. Uh, let's see. One more. One more, one more, one more. 
What's the one NFL team, Scott, that's going to surprise us this March? Mm. That's a good one because yeah. there's a lot of different teams that c- could uh, could surprise us here. Um, Positively or negatively, doesn't matter. Ooh. I'm gonna go with the. I'll go with the Cleveland Browns. Okay, in what regard? Like a, an OBJ trade or something like that? Yeah, OB tra- OBJ trade or some kind 50 of fifty million a year for Baker Mayfield. <laughs> <laughs> or, or it could be that, or it could be you know if they do sign JJ Watt or some other okay. high end free agent. You know, I think they're on the cusp of realizing how close they are. And they're going to push all their chips in. So I think they're going to be a team that surprises us one way or another. I'm going to say that it's going to be the Seattle Seahawks. Trading Russell Wilson? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, I know that they want to run the ball more. I know that there are running backs available via trade, via free agency. Um, just, it just seems like maybe they're, cause they're always pretty neutral. I mean, they're one of the lower free agent markets the, they were one of our lowest spenders last off season. You know, they kind of put it in neutral here with, with Russell's situation, especially after re-signing him a question that a lot of us had before it happened. I don't know if the trade stuff is real. We talked about it a little bit and I'm not sure that's where it gets to this year, maybe next year. I think he's put them on notice. And to me, he has the power. He's one of those individuals in this league that has the power to, to do that. Not unlike Green Bay with Rodgers, but I, I don't believe Green Bay is going to... They're just not the kind of franchise that's ever going to really push too hard in one direction in terms of free agency or big-time trades. They, had, they never have been. Now, maybe, they, maybe this was the... Uh, you, know, you know, the maybe Roger, what Rodgers said is going to move that boulder a little bit. I do think what Russell Wilson has done here will impact Seattle's front office and John Schneider and Pete Carroll, whether that means multiple trades, some kind of move in the draft or a big time veteran trade. We shall see. But I do think Russell has said enough and is now letting the things happen around him to get something done. Who knows? Yeah. Would you take Russell if you had a team right now? Or is he uh is he headed down the wrong path in in terms of his career? Mm, I think I'd take a chance on him. If if Peyton Manning can come back after his surgery and get to the Super Bowl with the Broncos and Tom Brady going to right Tampa Bay, I think a if team, you're an organization that can handle it, right? Yeah, it, yeah, I mean he can play, he can move, he can he can still throw the ball. He he showed this year specifically we. Being unlocked, we saw what he's still capable of. So if you're a team that wants to take that chance, you know what? Okay, so so what, what about Carolina? Yeah. Carolina could take a chance at well, Russell Wilson. I mean, similar situation, you know. Yes. As far as the, a mobile quarterback that can throw, and you know, if you wanted to swap McCaffrey, who they need a running back, McCaffrey for Russell Wilson or something. These are the things that teams need to be. I am not in any way advocating that trade. No, (laughs) I just want to put that up. (laughs) No, I'm just, I'm just spitballing here for sure. Um, But if I was a team that was close, I I would definitely take the chance. Just the team I'm going to be watching a little bit closer than usual this year. That's all. I I really don't know where we're going to get to with them. We'll see. Um, All right, good stuff. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about some of these incentives, uh, how these contracts are structured, some of the bonuses, uh, you can bring it in from an NBA conversation and, and then I'll spin it towards the NFL because it's very relevant there right now. Go ahead and uh, take the lead on this one. Yeah. So we had these all-star voting for the NBA that just came out and, you know, some of these player contracts have incentives based on all-star births and it, you know, it, it kind of rubs me the wrong way that, these incentives are based on a a it's during the middle of the season. So someone that may be an quote unquote all-star right now 
may not be in the second half of the season. So as long as you play really well in the beginning of the season and you can get that threshold, then you, you may get that incentive. Now, it, those that have the incentive is is a small piece of the pie, but still. Um, and then B, fans vote on this all-star. Now, in the NBA, fans are 50% of the vote, and then you have players are 25%, and media is 25%. So 50% of the voting for these uh, NBA All-Stars are based on fan voting. Well, obviously, the the All-Stars that are going to get in are the marquee players that fans like the most and see the most. And, you know, the fact that contract incentives are being included based on an All-Star berth seems really jaded to me. And, you know, I know in the NFL, there's something similar with the Pro Bowl, but, you know, specifically the NBA and NHL and and Major League Baseball, they they all have their all-star halfway through the season. So, you know, if if these incentives are being included for making this all-star berth for only half of the season and not even half in some cases, because the voting has to be done before half the season is there anyways, you know, it, it just seems like a jaded process and I, I don't know if it's something that NBA in the or the the league and the players associations can say all-star is not allowed to be an incentive or you know what are your thoughts so let me play devil's advocate with this so can you give me an example of a player who has an all-star bonus in the NBA yes yeah so there were three this year one was um Sabonis from Indiana who did not get the all-star so his incentive is now lost. It's unlikely, not lost. It's deemed unlikely for next year. So his cap hit was reduced because it's now unlikely. Then you had, uh, Julius Randall who ended up making an all-star. So he is going to get $945,000 added on to his cap next year. (laughs) And then baseball and football get like 50, like 25 to 50,000. So yeah. 940,000 is insane, but go ahead. Sabonis's was 1.3 million. Okay. Keep going. So, so, and then you have Rudy Gobert, who was another one. And there's a handful of other guys that may have okay. had it, but let me give you two scenarios here because I'm glad you kind of hashed that out. That made it easier for me to say this scenario. One is kind of the easy, easy way to look at it. If I'm an agent and I'm sitting down negotiating a contract and I'm a team looking at this contract Let's say Julius Randle was set to make $20 million this year. It sounds about right. I don't know where he is currently, but let's say he was going to make 20. And instead, his salary was 19 with the incentive, with the $1 million incentive. If he made the all-star team, he'd get the extra million to get himself up to the full 20 compensation. What you said is why teams want that bonus. Okay. Because if it's not likely, if he didn't make the all-star team last year, that's a not likely to be an incentive that reduces their cap by a million dollars. That's big in the NFL. That's big in uh, the NBA, especially. Yep. yep. So that's number one. That's the easy one. Okay. We, we can take some salary away, even if it's, you know, even if Rudy Gobert is going to make the all-star game, you know, most years, if he's injured and doesn't make it, that's a cap hit, hit we have reduced now for next year because of the incentive base. So that's number one. Number two, and this is a little bit far-fetched, but maybe there's something to it. You're talking about how these most of these sports have mid-season all-stars, okay? If you have a bonus, if, if, if Rudy Gobert has a million-dollar bonus, if he's, if he's granted an all-star berth, and it's in the middle of the season, isn't that just more incentive for him to give a damn about the first 40 games of the season? Whereas... If there's no incentive, if there's no active bonus, if there's no all-star bonus, it, now all he sees is an 82-game regular season. And like ma- many of us, it's a marathon. It's, it's tedious. To me, it's kind of like a piece of fruit hanging out there that, hey, man, I got a million dollars if I can play well enough for three months to get myself in that conversation. I actually don't mind it at all. In fact, I think it makes a ton of sense for some of these players who maybe need that little kick in the butt. I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean to be singling him out. He's just one of these guys that has a bonus. Um, to me, it makes total sense from the baseball perspective as well. 162 games. Holy God. 
you know, hey, but I can make another 50 grand if on July 4th, I'm one of the three best third basemen in the game. So I understand that from a motivating factor. Now, the NBA is giving away real money. I mean, you know, the Pro Bowl and stuff, it's kind of a joke. There's there's actually money to win the win the Pro Bowl in the NFL and, and win the All-Star game in baseball, things like that. There's some there's some after the fact compensation, but I kind of understand the bonus structure when it, when we're talking about an individual's thing like that, you know, when we're talking about just a quick hit, a quick and dirty bonus from a motivating factor. I want to take this in a different direction because a lot of things changed last March with the new CBA for the NFL. And it's worth bringing up right now. The fifth year option was really simple 18 months ago. Okay. Guys like uh, like uh, Patrick Mahomes, Mitchell Trubisky, that that 2017 draft class. If you were drafted in the in the in the top ten, there was a certain threshold for your fifth year option. If you were drafted 11 to 32, there was a lower threshold for your fifth year option. Teams had the option the prior May third to to exercise or decline it. If they exercised it. It, it was inj- injury guaranteed then, but it didn't become fully guaranteed until the first day of the league year of the option. So for instance, right now, anyone on a fifth year option right now heading into March, on March 17th, that's when that option is be- going to become fully guaranteed starting next year. Okay. So the decision's coming this coming May 3rd for next year, Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, those players now are running off a completely different scenario for how their fifth-year option is calculated. And relevantly speaking, Pro Bowls are a huge part of it, a huge part of it. Okay, so there's four, essentially four tiers to how these fifth-year options are going to be handled. Level one, the lowest level of compensation. Didn't qualify in terms of snap count, so 75% snaps essentially over the first three years, and didn't make a Pro Bowl. You're going to be basically the bottom of the barrel in terms of the fifth year option, which is, which is going to be somewhat normal. Okay. Second tier, you did meet the, meet the snap counts, but you didn't make a pro bowl. Third level, you made the snap count and you made one pro bowl. Fourth level, you made the snap count and you made more than one pro bowl in your first three years. So that's where we're living right now. Um, and then, Respectively, if you made multiple Pro Bowls, you're getting the franchise tag. You're getting the the calculated value of the franchise tag for your position based on these numbers. The second down level, so one Pro Bowl, Josh Allen, you're getting the transition tag. Okay, so maybe a million and a half less than, than tier one. The second level, so you made the snap count, but you never made a Pro Bowl. You're getting a modified version of the franchise tag, which is the average of the third through 20th salaries at your position. So maybe a million or so less than the actual transition tag. And the bottom level, which is didn't make a Pro Bowl and played less than 75% of your, of your team snaps over the first three years, you're getting a, the average of third to 25th salaries at your position. So maybe another million off. So it's probably like a $5 million swing from tier one to tier four, but it's heavily based on Pro Bowls, which not unlike the NBA, Scott, a third come from the coaches, a third come from the players themselves, and a third come from the fans. So there's a lot to be said. There's a lot of politics there into how much money, for instance, Josh Allen can make in 2022 if he hasn't been extended yet. Is it going to matter much? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I mean, we're going to see what happens with, with these declines because here's the other thing that changed. The second that the exercise, a, a fifth-year option now, it's fully guaranteed. That's second. So mm-hmm. if the Jets don't love the two-year look outlook for Sam Darnold, they're going to decline his fifth-year option. And they're going to pull out Trubisky and let him play out year four and then see what happens. Um, so it's going to be a lot harder for teams to exercise it, number one, because it could be higher, right, if it's a franchise tag. Number two, because it's fully guaranteed at, at the exercise. So this is, to me, the ultimate level of which Pro Bowls matter 
because it's literally now a factor for the rookies, which seems so backwards. <laughs> to me, this is so backwards. You want to stick it into, into a veteran's contract so that he's motivated, so that they can get a little extra cash, but maybe save some cap space because it's not likely. I get that. That's a negotiating tactic, right? And, and a way for guys to make a little bit more coin. Taking away $2 million from a first-round pick because they didn't make the Pro Bowl twice, that's insane to me. That That's absolutely insane to me, especially if you're not a quarterback or not a wide receiver or not something that's, you know, thrown out into, into the world a lot where fans would want to vote for that player. You know what I mean? Like you, you basically have to campaign yourself now like a president yes. to ensure that you can get yourself at least into the third tier of fifth year option availability. Um, and know. that's where, I, and, and, and that's why I brought this up because, you know, those players that aren't necessarily known that they're at a disadvantage yeah. because, you know, a portion of that is, popularity with the fans and the fan voting same with in the nba you know 50 percent. it's even more than than for the pro bowl so you know some of these some of these players with those incentives and i get if they're deemed unlikely and they happen to make it but you know it, it's based on that popularity that they for two to three months were showing highlights that you know people are seeing to vote for them at, 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 as opposed to you know all those MVPs and defensive player of the years and all of those that are media only that do count at least those are you know reputable sources that are watching every game and looking at all of the statistics yes. as opposed to being a highlight on Twitter or TikTok or any of that that's going to help the the team. Why aren't these just tied to the all pro teams? That's what I un, that's what I would, The NFL has it. We just found out a month ago Major League Baseball has one. <laughs> right. <laughs> they all have them and those are coming from writers and actual people who do the work. So exactly. I'm not discounting the fan vote. I want the fan vote to exist. The Pro Bowl yes. the Pro no, Bowl is going to exist however it's going to exist, whether it's Madden or Vert, whatever the hell is going to happen. You know, it's not going to go away and, and let the fans let the fans vote Anthony Edwards in because he threw his elbow down a basket well, once. You know what I mean? Like that's it, fine, but just get it away from massive payments to players or, or massive incentives or cap implications or fifth year option implications. This is a nightmare for me. Yeah, You're right. And, and at least in the NBA, they do have their all NBA right. is part of the super max, the max contracts. Or, yeah. You know, it, you know, with these rookies, they're signing their max. And then if they get the third all NBA, they get their, their tiered aspect. If they negotiated that, at least that is part of it. It's the fact, like you said, and I have said, you know, the fan is helping with cap implications, yep. whether it's one way or the other, uh, you know, if they want to go that route and they want to have a, a, a fan voting for most popular and there's a side cash prize that doesn't count against caps. I'm completely for that. NASCAR has a vote for most popular driver and, you know, it ended up being Chase Elliott last year who won the championship. But, you know, I don't, I don't think that an all-star game and getting an all-star roster spot should have any cap implications one way or another uh, because it has all these multifaceted, including the fan voting. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, but I don't think it's going away anytime soon. I really don't. No, it just seems like one of those things that continues to carry through and through every CBA. Maybe something will be done with baseball as they go through their hell, um, but it's coming. It's coming for sure. Last thing, Scott, I did a, a pretty lengthy t thread on Twitter regarding the franchise tags now that we're inside of that window. I just want to kind of restate that because it's it's super complicated stuff, and I do think there'll be a handful of players who get tagged and a handful that gets second tagged. So let's start there. Um, Dak Prescott, Justin Simmons, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, you know, Leonard Williams. To me, ma major candidates, Brandon Sheriff, maybe. Major candidates for a second franchise tag with their current team. So what does that mean? You're seeing all these values put out there of what quarterback franchise tags you know, will be for 2021 based on the projected cap. None of that matters if you're thinking about a second franchise tag. The only thing that matters is you take last year's tag number, so for Dak, $34 million, multiply it by 120%. Okay, That's what we're dealing with here. That's the second franchise tag for any of these players. 
So Dak would be 37-7. Leonard Williams would be 19-3. Brandon Scherf, 18 million for a guard. Holy hell. Justin Simmons, for sure, getting second tagged, 13.7 million. Um, I've got a tweet out there that that's kind of breaks down anyone who could be second tagged and what those values would be. That's separate from the projected franchise tag values for the upcoming season in just a normal case, right? A first franchise tag, non-exclusive. So quickly, let's just talk about this. There's three versions of a tag. There's the exclusive franchise tag. Okay, Drew Brees got this about five years ago with the Saints when he was going through kind of a weird negotiation system. Um, boy, it might have been longer than that. I don't know. It's all coming together to me. Drew Brees got the last exclusive franchise tag. What does that mean? Number one, it's a higher number. Okay, it, it, it's calculated with with higher averages and uh, multi- multiplication factors. So that's like it's like a million to two million dollars more than a general franchise tag. So it's more expensive. It's fully guaranteed, of course, and it does not allow him to negotiate with any other team. That's the exclusivity part of it. He can't take an offer from the Los Angeles Chargers to go back to the, to the Chargers if he's exclusively tagged. Drew Brees. Okay, that's one. Second, the most common, the non-exclusive franchise tag. Those are the numbers you're going to be seeing around Twitter quite a bit now, um, especially as this league cap comes into form. That's 25 and change now for a quarterback, right? So if Cam Newton were to be tagged by the Patriots, not happening. If Aaron Jones was going to be franchised, non-exclusively franchise tagged by the Packers, 8.7 million is what we're projecting that to be. So that's the second level. So it's again, it's a, it's a calculated value based on the league cap and the average salaries of that position. It is then up for negotiation. So if Aaron Jones gets a non-exclusive franchise tag from the Packers, he will be able to negotiate with the Miami Dolphins, with the 49ers, with the Broncos. They can put in offer sheets to Aaron Jones. If Aaron Jones signs one of those offer sheets, the Packers will have five days to match it. If they don't match it, there will be draft compensation coming back to the Packers. That you know, If he signs the Dolphins' offer sheet, goes to the Dolphins, draft compensation coming back to the Packers. The transition tag is the third tag type. It's less money, okay? It's the third through, ten, third through 25th, essentially, salary, averaged out. So it's about a million and a half less than the non-exclusive franchise tag. You can submit offer sheets, same scenario. Miami submits an offer sheet to, to Aaron Jones' transition tag. If Aaron Jones signs that offer, he goes to Miami. If, if the Packers don't match in five days, there's no draft capital coming back to the Packers. They lose him for nothing. So it's just a chance to... Hey, if nobody puts an offer sheet in, we get to keep the guy on the tag, maybe extend him by, by July 15th. Otherwise, he's gone, and it's like it was free agency, and we, we made somebody else set, set the price for us rather than us setting a multi-year price. Possible. Look, to me, fr- transition tag and non-exclusive franchise tag, very possible for Aaron Jones. That's why I'm using him as an example. Um, another scenario, I kind of just mentioned it there. Let's say Justin Simmons does get the second tag, 13-7 with Denver. He has till July 15th to work out a multi-year contract. That's the deadline for any tagged player. If they don't have a multi-year contract figured out by 4 p.m. Eastern, July 15th, it is tag or nothing for 2021. That's another caveat here. Uh, What else here? Scott, any questions? Go ahead. Yeah, I do, because I know there's probably some listening and trying to learn uh, how some of these things work. So can a team use the franchise tag and the transition tag, or they can only use one of those and that's it? Good question. And it's confusing because last year was different because it was the end of the CBA. You were allowed to use one of each last year. Not the case in a normal year. So no, you can use one or the other. Only one player on the roster can be tagged in any regard. So it's one or done. So if the Packers have Corey Lindsay, their center, Aaron Jones, their running back is their major free agents. Only one of those players can get tagged. So that's something to keep an eye on as well. Uh, one of those players likes, likely walks into free agency if there's not an extension in the next couple of days here. Oh, what else? What else can we talk about here? I've got a big, long thread. Uh, I think that's good. Any other questions on this, Scott? Obviously, this is all on Twitter if you need to find more information on it. Um, Oh, last thing. So I mentioned that the non-exclusive franchise tag is calculated based on league cap and average salaries of a position, except, (laughs) except if 
the franchise tag value is less than 120% of what the player made last year. So for instance, Allen Robinson, wide receiver of the Bears, in a normal year, his franchise tag would be $15.5 million, $16 million, like every other wide receiver. But because he made $15 million in base salary last year, 120% of that is $18 million. So Allen Robinson's franchise tag value is $2 million more than every other wide receiver right now because of what he earned last year with the Bears. So it's not just a singular item, you know, and, and there's a lot of questions around this. So it's not, it's not always what, what it appears. Um, so it's 120% of last year's compensation or the franchise tag, whatever's greater. Exclusive franchise tags are more expensive with no negotiations. Transition tags are less expensive with offer sheets and no draft capital coming back if that player signs the offer sheet. We saw that with a tight end between the Bills and the Dolphins a few years ago. What the heck was that guy's name, Scott? Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Charles Clay. Charles Clay signed an offer sheet with the Dolphins, left the Bills basically for nothing. So the transition tag is somewhat risky. There was some discussion about whether or not the Titans would use a transition tag last year with Derrick Henry and kind of let other teams value him on a multi-year contract. They went with the franchise tag. They ended up extending him. So the plan all along was to keep him. I imagine that's the case you know, with Aaron Jones, that he'll get a non-exclusive franchise tag. But look, he's a hell of a player. And Miami's got some space figured out. Carolina's got some space figured out. Not that they need a running back. You know, the Browns don't need a running back. They've got some space. There's teams out there that could throw an offer sheet back to, for, for one of two reasons. Number one, they want the player. Number two, they want the Packers to have to match it. You know, they want to put that put the pressure back on Green Bay to say, hey, you know, eight eight point seven million on a franchise tag is is peanuts right now for a player like that. It's basically half of what he's worth. He's worth fourteen six in our system, Scott. So an eight point seven million dollar franchise tag is an unbelievable value. So you know, a team that has some space that would like the player if it's plan B anyway, could put the pressure back on now, you wouldn't give up the draft capital most likely for him, but uh, you, this is the example I'm giving. You know, there's there's reasons to do everything. So I do think a, a non-exclusive franchise tag is likely coming for Aaron Jones and for a few other players. We'll certainly be following that on Twitter at Spotrack on the website Spotrack.com, where we still have our predictions and <laughs> for for many free agents what they might make, where they might end up in the next couple of weeks. Most certain to be 100% wrong. And uh, we'll have an update on Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers because that is getting more and more interesting. As the days go on here, what else? Who's the next extension, you think? NFL. Hmm. Next extension. Should we just say Dak and make it easy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can, but I, 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 I think I'm it's gonna... Baker. I, I think the Browns are dying to extend him. Now, now, what are what are the rules with extensions in this case? Because I know the NBA is slightly different than NFL. Can they yeah. not do extension until the league year starts, or can they do the extension now because they're still under contract? And what are the rules with that, they're, especially for the rookies? Yeah, they're under contract now. I mean, they're all they're they're. they're but can they sign? Can they sign up today? Could Baker yeah. do an extension and it would kick in? Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, I do think the quarterbacks are probably going to rule the day. You know, Baker, Josh Allen, maybe Lamar, maybe Dak. Uh, you know, there's going to be some big-time money handed out for those guys for sure. If Mariota moves to a new team, he gets a new contract most likely. Sounds like Derek Carr, by the way, is getting a new contract to stay with with Las Vegas. A move I like. I like the kid. He's kind of inconsistent, but that I feel like more experience means more consistency with him. And they've got bigger fish to fry than quarterback, in my opinion. So I think that's a, that's a smart move in their on their regard. Who outside of a quarterback? What else matters? What are you talking about? Uh, no, I know. But <laughs> I mean, I, not not to put you on the spot, but are, are we likely to see, you know, obviously Aaron Jones and the whole franchise tag and transition and all that. But yeah. is there going to be like uh, an offensive lineman or some defensive player that we're, we're not thinking of that may get an extension that may, you know, I think Next Trent. I think Trent Williams is is in that conversation. I think he's okay. gonna he's gonna get some big time coin from San Francisco to become their left tackle for the next few years because while they have a quarterback issue somewhat, you know, and they may change quarterbacks, knowing they have a left tackle, you know, whether or not that's twenty million dollars a year or not, 
knowing they have that guy is just going to be peace of mind, especially with a couple of uh, retirement slash uh, free agent losses on that offensive line right now. So I think that makes the most sense. Get that done. Other than that, uh, yikes. It's, it's pretty quarterback heavy. You know, the Bears and Allen Robinson seem far apart. Aaron Jones is a maybe. He's on the short list. Darius Leonard, Indianapolis Colts, uh, edge rusher. He's, on, he's, he's getting hit some money this offseason, no question about it. Um, and then, look, the Saints have multiple players, but how the hell are they going to do it? Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm at a loss with the Saints right now. I can't wait yeah. to see how they make this happen by March 17th, 4 p.m., but it's going to happen. They're, they're going to make it happen. So, all right, good stuff, sir. Yep. Thrilled to be joined again with a friend of the show. He's the director of sports and entertainment group for the PKF O'Connor and Davies firm. He's at sports tax man on Twitter, Robert Raiola. Robert, welcome back to the show. Happy new year in the mid February. <laughs> it's been a while. We've got a lot of uh, big contracts to discuss amidst the pandemic here. How are you? How is the fam? And let's talk some money. The fam is all good. Glad to be back on your show. Always a pleasure. Uh, look, looking forward to discussing these big, big contracts. Yeah, let's get into it. Um, I guess we'll start baseball and we're going to go backwards and sort of current because it's been a while here and there's some big time contracts that have been thrown out. Let's start with the newest. Fernando Tatis Jr. basically gets locked up for the rest of his career at age 22. It's San Diego, a market we generally don't see happen with these big contracts, but kind of explain what it means. State of California, San Diego, the jock tax, all that good stuff. Bring it back to the fold. And what does $340 million really mean to Tatis? Sure. It's interesting. The Padres now have signed two of the biggest contracts yeah. in MLB when they signed, uh, what's his name? Machado. Uh, yeah. Machado. Right. Thank you. And now Tatis. So Tatis will get 340 million. We've assumed he's a California resident. He'll net after taxes, 168 million. Now it is possible for him to play in California and not be a resident. The advantage there would be the money that he got a signing bonus, which I believe was 10 million. That would not be taxed at all in any of the states, including California, if he was a California non-resident. So that's interesting there. His contract was heavily backloaded in the first four years. He'll make $34 million, And then in the next 10 years, he'll make uh, $306 million. So it's heavily backloaded, but $340 million is really $168 million after taxes. That's crazy. So are you a little surprised the signing bonus isn't bigger? Because the other contract to discuss out there is Mookie Betts, who got a gigantic signing bonus which I, I understand because you're right. It, it, it saves him from the California tax situation. Is right. it because he's 22, he's unproven, you just can't pump that much money into a kid that young probably? The thing that people don't realize, and Betts did this, you ha you, you're allowed to defer some of the signing yeah, bonus. Exactly. In other words, it doesn't have to be in year one. So, you, you know. So is that a miss for Tatis, Robert? Is that a mistake? Uh, I, I think it's an oversight, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Maybe he is a California resident. I don't know, but you got plenty of time. You can easily buy a house in Florida or somewhere else and get your residency steadfast, you know, get it done and, and register to vote, driver's license, all that sort of stuff, and become a resident of somewhere else. Yeah, that would certainly behoove him because California is killing people right now in terms of the tax situation. Look, look, at the end of the day, I always say this, and you're big on this. The taxes are important. They're not the most important thing, but if there's 10 reasons you check off, want it to be in a warm climate, Wanted to be with a winning team, knowing the manager, you know, in football, knowing the defensive coordinator. Those things all go in there. But taxes have to be part of the equation. You absolutely have to doing yourself a big disservice to your client if you don't look at taxes. I'm not saying it's the number one, but it's got to be in the top 10. Well, you, you mentioned how backloaded it is, which obviously makes sense with his age and, and the lack of what he's done on the field yet. But also, let's be realistic. He's not spending 14 years in San Diego. I mean, that's just not how baseball contracts work. So, you know, when the meat and potatoes of this contract actually come to fruition, he may be in Florida. He may be in Atlanta. You know, who knows where he's going to be in terms of the tax situation then. Um, and and it's it's when it's earned, right? That That's the biggest part of the tax situation. It has nothing that's to right. do with what's coming. Pay. Deferred payments are – the tax happens when they're actually paid, right? It, it's all when it, yep. Yeah. So, th so that's a big part of how these baseball contracts are structured. And, and one of the reasons I think deferred money is is kind of a no-no for a lot of uh, players and agents out there. They, they want to have cash in hand and, and handle the situation right now. But I, I guess that's, a, that's the one piece I wanted to get with you here was it seemed like the signing bonus was, was a miss. So let's switch over to Mookie Betts and understand that structure a little better because similar contract in terms of the total value, same state, 
a little bit older of a player, but a $65 million signing bonus. So how does he look from a tax standpoint? He looks good. Uh, he'll pay about $158 million in taxes on a 12-year, $365 million contract. It's been reported, widely reported, that he's a Tennessee resident. Tennessee has no state income tax. They have a tax on interest and dividends. But still, he, he, he did the right thing by getting so much as a signing bonus, and he'll beat the California taxes on that. Right. And, and what happens to the deferred money, Robert? Because $120 million of this is actually deferred from 2033 to 2044. So he, he won't be playing baseball at that point in time. You know, if he's, if right. he's home in Tennessee, is all $120 million of that then earned in Tennessee? Yes. That's incredible. Yeah. So that's extremely a, beneficial his, his, his to himself. Yeah. They would do. Wow. Okay. So that's that's a way better contract in terms of the tax situation. There's no question about it. Let's uh let's quickly switch over to football then because we've got two decent sized situations to discuss there, both of the quarterback position. Patrick Mahomes gets his big contract last year. I think we've talked about it a little bit, but it, it's similar to the Tatis Jr. situation where there's almost no money up front. It's the exact same signing bonus, $10 million. Uh, he's only going to make $63 million over the first three here. He's made ten, you know, $20 million of that so far. It, how does this look with Kansas City, with the jock tax, with, with how it's heavily backloaded as well? Sure. Football is a bit of a different character because on a, uh, on a road game, Mahomes is in Kansas City five days a week. And on a home game, he's there for seven days a week. So I'm not sure if Missouri has a state income uh, – has a um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not sure if Missouri has a 183 day count, but uh, he's going to spend the majority of his time, even if he's not a resident, 80 to 85 percent of his income is earned in the state where he plays, and that applies to all players. For the good, you know, uh, if you're a quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, you, Fitzgerald was this past year, and sorry, Fitzpatrick, and. You play with Miami, you're earning 80 to 85 percent of your contract in state. And there's no state income tax. So, you, you know, Mahomes would, would still pay a lot in state taxes, even if he was a Florida resident somewhere else. So it's pr pretty hard for football to be a non-resident of the state you play in because of so many days. So Missouri does have that 183 day rule. Can you kind of explain that real quick for us? Sure. If you, if you spend more than if you maintain a place of abode, which obviously does, and you play in the state and, you know, you're there for more than 183 days, you're deemed to be a resident. And then he would be paid tax on all his income, including all the off the field income. And I would think Mahomes is going to be making decent money, you know, off the field right now. Yeah, there's no question. That's where he's supplementing quite a lot, quite a lot of his income. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with the rest of this contract, but there's plenty left. It's extremely backloaded like Tatis, uh, yep. you know, a, a more basic traditional contract out there right now, but maybe as, as important because of the, the hot stove rumors, Deshaun Watson, you know, he's in year two of this thing. It, it, again, slightly backloaded. There's some big salaries at the back end of this. You know, he's only set to make about $10.5 million this year. He's in Houston currently, signed it in Houston, got a $27 million signing bonus in Houston. So he's tax-free there, correct? He, state tax-free, yeah. State tax-free, federal only. Same situation would happen if he went to the Dolphins, correct? That's correct. No state tax in Florida. Okay, so the Jets are the worst case scenario then for him. Is that, is that what we're saying? Or San well, Francisco, right? San Francisco would be worse than the Jets, but the Jets would be pretty bad. And, and Denver? And Denver, not that bad, 4.5%, 4.63, so it's not too bad. And, and the same would apply, right? Because of how intense the, the, the workouts are, the 183-day rule would basically apply anywhere. So, you know, living yep. in Houston or living in Florida but playing for the Broncos, you're essentially a Denver resident. That's correct. I'll use the word in quotes, resident, because even if you're not a resident of Colorado, you're paying, you know, tax on 80, 80, 80, 80 to 85% of the bone of the total compensation you're making that year. So football is a big thing with residency because it's really hard to get out of state you're playing. So if, if I tell you that Deshaun Watson has $145 million left right now, do you have the numbers there, Robert, of, of what he might make if he stayed in Houston throughout that contract versus if he went to the Jets? Sure, he'd make he he'd make uh, probably sixty percent of the money uh, if he if he stayed in Houston, and if he went to the Jets, he'd make maybe about fifty percent. Okay, so that's a big enchilada. I mean, that's, it is a big enchilada. That's a Mike. that's a lot of moolah. Not not to, not that he won't be able to recoup it, uh, you know, with another contract down the road. But it, yeah, you know you know how all these writers like to put the winners and losers in the trade. Yeah, he could be a winner that he's out of Houston, but it's going to cost him some money to go somewhere else. 
if it's not Miami. Right. And you're saying it's about 10 and a half million. So basically he'd be forfeiting his 2021 salary to leave Houston and yeah. go to the Jets. That's, and again, he, yeah. he, you can make the argument that he'd make more money off the field in New York than in uh, Houston. But, you know, the remains to be seen. Yeah, he's not really that kind of guy. He's not the Mahomes, you know, every other right. commercial kind of Mahomes guy. So, yeah. yeah. You see Mahomes all over the commercials, too. <laughs> exactly. And he got the big contract. So that's a little yeah. befuddling. What do you think is going on with Dak, Robert Riola? Uh, <laughs> Have you been asked that question yet? <laughs> I'm a big I'm a big Cowboy fan, so I'm sort of shocked as to what they're doing with him. I guess what you read and what people are speculating, the Cowboys want to sign him for five years, and he only wants to sign for four. But, you know, they you need to get a strong team around him. So I don't, I'm surprised some of these quarterbacks don't take a little less money to, to enable the team to get other guys, but I guess there's no trust there. So hopefully they wind up signing him and not franchising him, but he'll be, he'll make out a lot too, because I'm sure he makes a lot off the field. And by being a Texas resident, he's making a, a boatload of money state tax free. State tax free. It's definitely a conversation that comes up, especially this time of year with NFL free agency. I know you do a great job. You put together a map, uh, yep, of, we'll really, do that again. of all the NFL teams and what their state uh, tax percentages are currently. And agents look at that stuff. They show it to players. It's it's part of the process. There's no question about it. And right. you're, you're one of the big reasons people understand this stuff a heck of a lot better. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Mike. Always great to be on. Look forward to being on again. You got it. All right. He's the at sports tax man on Twitter. He's great. He's a great follow. Tons of good visuals. He'll answer any questions you have out there. He's a, he's a great resource for us as well throughout the year with all these sports. As you can see there, he's tracking all these contracts. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash track for 40% off your first year subscription. Check out the online betting guide, olbg.com. Free picking contest, cash prizes, make yourself a better, better for the future. My thanks to Scott Allen, of course, and the Sports Taxman, at Sports Taxman on Twitter, Robert Riola. Always great to get his side of the story with our big-time contract information. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Track Podcast.